This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash strangeassembly. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or other MV3 player. This is Strange Assembly, episode 185, Vikings. We're alive! Alive! Woo! I should probably try that again. That would probably sound really awful. When I listen to the recording, that that alive, alive will probably sound terrible. Or should <laughs> I just, just subject everyone to that? Uh, it's, it's, um, well, we are alive, so they, they probably need to be subjected. Ah, yes. <laughs> and we're sorry? Right, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me is Matt Sandlin. Howdy, howdy. And uh, as we promised last time, which was um, four months ago? Wave a hand. It, it was yesterday. Yeah, one, of our, <laughs> one of our upcoming episodes will be Viking, so this is what it is. We're still having scheduling difficulties with Fred Juan and Brian Reese for some L5R retrospective things, but those are still in the pipeline. But we, we do have these. Vikings seems to have been, I don't know if it's the theme of the year for this year, maybe it was the theme of the year last year, I'm, I'm not sure, maybe for both, but there's no shortage of Viking-themed games. Today we have Champions of Midgard, Raiders of the North Sea, Blood Rage, and Bottle Cab Vikings. Why don't you kick it off, Matt, with Champions of Midgard? All right, so Champions of Midgard... Uh I think it's a really fun, just basic worker placement game. For me, it really took what Lords of Waterdeep does and makes it better. And you really do just, again, it, it feels more fulfilling. You know, the, some of the core mechanics obviously are, are the, the places you can go, but you do actually have to sail somewhere and go fight a monster to get the most, you know, to win the most glory. And uh, as sailing was dangerous, it is always dangerous because there's the event cards or the ti- uh, what are they the exploration cards? I can't I can't remember their name, and I'm doing a bad bad thing on that. But I don't think anybody's going to be too concerned if you get the name right. These are you when you go out to sea <laughs> to fight the monsters. You'll flip these up, and maybe nothing will happen, or maybe some of your crew will die, die. or maybe some of your supplies will be lost. Right, or you have to fight a kraken before you fight your other monster, because that didn't happen a couple times. <laughs> so I really like that that aspect of it. The the planning for the boats that you can get your own boat that that's not the the public one that that everybody is using, and you know sets you out some victory points for the end of the game, and then the whole matching set. So there is a set collection of it for the different types of monsters that you're killing so yeah yeah it's it's got a a central standard sort of worker placement mechanic in the middle where you're collecting crew you're right there's spearmen and swordsmen and axemen and you're collecting money and supplies and 
money, food, and wood to build your ships or to fuel your ships. Yeah, and then some of the spots that you can send out with your workers yeah, are to fight the monsters. There's the sea monsters, and then there's a couple of different kind of monsters attacking the village. You get victory points just for defeating things, but as you mentioned, you also get even more victory points for set collections. You can get some bonus tiles that give you extra victory points for certain things. It is the most standard, I guess, of the games that we are that we are playing here. Like it will be familiar to anyone who has played, like you said, something like Lords of Waterdeep or or Yido. It's just instead of mission cards, you have to go off and fight a monster, and you could choose to be more or less risky when you do that. You can choose to deploy missions, so you're pretty much guaranteed to win, or you can choose to take a risk and maybe you flush a bunch of uh, <laughs> bunch of resources down to the bottom of the North Sea. Correct. The other really fun thing that, that's a little different than Yido or uh, Lords of Waterdeep is the kind of the blame. Some of the, mon- you know, there's the three sets of different monsters. When you're fighting the trolls, if you beat the troll, you can blame everybody else for not being Viking enough to help you defeat it and they get negative points. And so that's always a fun mechanic. So you get to get get rid of some of your own. Uh, yeah. That. Well, because if nobody defeats the troll at the end of the round, everyone gets blamed as it right. ravages the village. Right. Right. Yeah, and that's, it's really bad to be the person with the most blame, if I recall correctly, at the end of the game. But well, I could it, be misrecalling. Just like the positive victory points, it has that exponential growth as well. Having just a little bit of blame is not so bad, but when you have a lot of blame, that's where it gets not so good. Yeah, and that's uh, that's Champions of Midgard by uh, designed by Ole Steines and published by Gray Fox Games. Now, for something completely different, see, Champions of Midgard was a game where you assign workers to your Viking town and then also can assign workers to go out and attack and raid things with your Viking warriors. On the other hand, Raiders of the North Sea is a game where you can assign your workers to your Viking town and then also assign your workers to go out and raid and attack things. Is that right? Completely different. I think that's completely different from what we just talked about. Completely different. Completely different. I think when somebody showed up with, like, started talking about Champions of Midgard the first time and... Because I had kickstarted Raiders of the North Sea and was talking about what it was, I'm like, "Are you no, sure? No. I did. did is it that this name? game I just got in the I uh, Raiders of the North Sea has a much more distinctive, I think, way of doing its worker placement. You don't have your own workers. There are different kinds of workers, but at the start of any given turn. You always have exactly one worker in your hand, and you put the worker down, and you get the effect of that spot, and then you pick another worker up from somewhere else on the board, and you get the effect of that spot, and so on, and and so forth until the end. And that is, I I really like that. Everybody that I've played with has really liked that. It really added a different flavor to it than just the usual placing it. There's still some blocking and the order that you want to take things, and, oh, you can't necessarily take exactly the two that you want to, but it's still pretty open. You also, instead of having generic crewmen, you are drawing cards and playing cards 
down to form your crew, and some crew are better off, better at going and doing the fighting and the raiding, and some of the crew are are better at being in the village and, and enhancing what you have to do. When you go out and fight in this, it, you do a similar thing in that you take your worker and you put it on the spot on the board that you're raiding, and then after you're done with your raid, successful or not, if it's not successful, you just aren't getting the victory points, then you pick up the worker that is on that spot, and now you've got that worker to start the next turn. The sort of higher level, as it were, workers are tied up at the beginning of the game on those spots to get raided, So, and they react differently to different spots in the town, so uh, different things open up as the the game goes on, and, and some of the spots have to have higher-level workers to attack. In order to attack, you have to assemble food to feed your crew. You have to have money to hire your crew. Sometimes you have to have resources like gold to raid some of the higher-level spots. The village part is really excellent. When you get to the attacking part, it gets to be a little more herky-jerky. There's sometimes a, a start-and-stop feel to it as you you know, manage to get enough to hit one of the spots, but then you have to lose crew as you're doing that, and then you get stuck for a while, and then the higher-level spots, you have to have gold, so you have to make sure that you've been doing the gold, and you can get gummed up a little bit. Some of the crew members are really too good at the beginning of the game. The crew, the, the cheap crew you can put down that give you extra food every time you go to get food or extra money every time you go to get money really accelerates you. So I, I felt like when we were done that it was a game that had a lot of potential, but when you got to the end wasn't quite as satisfying because that's where the less elegant part of the gameplay came up. It's it's still a good game, and I'm not. I don't regret that I I kickstarted it, but I don't know that it's something to to rush out and buy. I think that more people will like Champions of Midgard, although it is a it's a, it's a more familiar experience than Raiders of the North Sea. And Raiders of the North Sea is from a fellow named Shem Phillips, who the publisher is Garpill Games, which I think is just him. It's actually the second in a trilogy of somebody or others of the North Sea, shipwrights of the North Sea, tradesmen of the North Sea. I, I don't, I haven't played the other two, but this was the the second one. It was a Kickstarter, so that you should play it because you like everything that's from Kickstarter, Matt. You know, I do like everything from Kickstarter, just about. Um, <laughs> I can't really argue that. Uh, I did see it on Kickstarter, and the, the thing that, the reason I, I guess I never did back it was the whole coming from New Zealand. Their whole shipping was, and it, this is, I guess, me and my United States privilege of where most of the Kickstarter ship from is we get the cheap shipping. So, yeah, I don't remember the shipping being too bad. I mean, there was shipping. It was not free shipping, but I, I was, yeah, if, if I felt like I was getting gouged on that, I, I wouldn't have. So let's see. So if you, if you went on Kickstarter right now, are you, let's see, you're probably backing Ghostbusters 2 and Dark Souls and whatever that 
thing is from Soda Pop Miniatures and Rum and Bones Season Two. And no, I right or now yes, I'm having as long to. As your wife isn't listening. <laughs> no, I'm 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 te- I am on Kickstarter sabbatical for right now. Now I am following and watching the Soda Pop Rail Raiders. I believe that's what it is. That sounds right. Following Rum and Bones Second Tide because I have the first Tide. I just looked at Dark Souls, and I think we can get one of the other guys in the group to back that, so <laughs> somebody will have that, because uh, we're playing a lot of the other game that they do, or we've just started getting into one of the other games that they do. Is that the uh, Guild Ball? Yeah, that's the Guild Ball. And so he's he's super excited about Steam Forge right now, so we'll be able to get that one to the plank. And Ghostbusters, I'm going to be the the guy who's kind of hating on Ghostbusters. Not that I hate the movies. I love the movies, but it is – they just wrapped the other Kickstarter. I mean, it hasn't even been a full year from Ghostbusters, the first one, and uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't – I have not – really heard good things about the first one either not that it's gotten slammed or anything but it it, it didn't seem one that got a lot of buzz after the game it seemed like it was relying a lot on the nostalgia license. trip yeah i think it's a nostalgia trip for most people and uh, i mean it's doing really well on kickstarter so you can't i guess well, so did exploding it. kittens i mean <laughs> Hey, the not safe for work deck. This way to go. <laughs> um, yeah. So right now I, I'm on tech. I'm on uh, Kickstarter sabbatical. Yeah. Well, I, I I can say that I I have now played Exploding Kittens, and I can now say from actual play experience, not just from random gamer elitism, that no, it's not a good game. I'm sure. I mean, you know, many many people have bought it and will buy it. It's, no. Well, I, I guess the, the it's a it, it works for like as a like a a very very light filler slash for it's great for people who have horrible ADD and are uh, amused by all things internet. I don't know. I, I have to say, like my my game critic hat when I was playing that was. Oh, this and maybe dumb. this was unusual. Well, no, no, but it was like you also could just get eliminated right away, or almost right, right away. Like you got your yes. one blocker card. So we had we played like a six player game, and like half the group was just sitting there doing nothing for fifteen minutes while the other three players drained right. through the rest of the deck. Like yeah. that, to me, that's a, a deal breaker in a light game like that. I, I mean, I guess yes, everybody can go and get a beer or whatever, but right. it, it is definitely keep everybody involved. Yeah, it it didn't do that very well, but again, the whole – I think there was some other way to get back in, though, and that's the thing that I can't remember. Well, anyhow, we're supposed to be talking about Viking. Uh, while we've we've paused in our, our game discussion, let's uh, take a minute to talk about our sponsor today, Audible.com. As we mentioned at the top of the show, you can go to Audible.com audibletrial.com slash strangeassembly and get a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial to the subscription. One of the 
180,000 possibilities that you have to download on audible.com is The Sea Wolves, A History of the Vikings, over seven hours of unabridged goodness of the the history of the Vikings, not just the war fighting stuff, but also the other things. I don't know if there will be discussions about exactly how many uh, Valkyries it's good to run into when you raid the enemy village to maximize your victory points on that track, but but maybe it's in there. Maybe it's in there. It could be. It could, it could be. But that's a, lot, that's a lot of Viking lore for seven and a half hours. Just well, saying. Yeah, it's, uh, it takes a long time to read a real book out loud. But yeah, so, so seven and a half hours. Right, if you, if you go on normal old Amazon and search for Vikings, this is, is like the sort of top, I guess, I don't, maybe not the top history book in some academic sense, but the sort of ca- the top casual history book on this subject. And they do have it in an unabridged version on Audible. So if you go to audibletrial.com slash strangeassembly and you sign up, you can download this or any other books as your free trial. Now, back to the games. Back to Vikings. Speaking of... Uh, Kickstarter games with miniatures. Of course, the the big Kahuna game of Vikings lately is Blood Rage, which is, Blood Rage? is, what is completely Blood Rage? up your alley. I, <laughs> but, but you mean you mean all the the exclusive plastic sculpts for everything and the awesome Finner model that that uh, came out of Kickstarter? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, so you could pay for for the for the low low price of. Three or four hundred dollars, or whatever you were willing to fork out to cool me or not, you could a get a billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, there's a difference between three or four hundred and a bazillion, but yeah, I mean, you get a lot of stuff for those things. But man, they're they're not cheap when you want all the Kickstarter exclusive stuff. No, Anyhow, but but as a game, including the you can you can you, you have my permission to talk about the pretty pretty miniatures too. The pretty pretty miniatures. The pretty pretty miniatures are just that. They are pretty pretty miniatures. Cool Mini or Not, obviously publishing it, uh, Studio McVeigh, and then Guillotine Games. So Studio McVeigh has got a lot of, does really good sculpts, a lot of good artwork. And, you know, you really do have to make the kind of, the hand symbols when you say Blood Rage, you know, you just go, Blood Rage. So Game Mechanics, I think the way I, I, I try to describe it now to people, just kind of to set the expectation, it's a game of overpowered combinations. Just flat out. The idea is you are a Viking clan and you have certain level stats that you're going to go out and either pillage the land, go on quests, or die a lot in battle. So that's kind of the the core... Uh, core piece of it, you know, when you go to pillage somewhere, everybody can join in the battle. If they're adjacent, everybody plays a card. And the different cards, uh, some of them are battle cards. You can bluff and play like a quest card in the battle. The winner loses their card, but all, all the losers get their cards back. And so there's some, again, some fun combinations with the different Norse gods that kind of focus on what you should do. And you get all your cards through a, a, each age does a draft. And I, I like, I really like the draft mechanic in it. 
it made everybody think about what, what they were doing. I liked playing it with three. I've played it with four, and then I played it with five. I think while it, it scales to five, I think just that there's a, you know, obviously there's five players now, so there's a little bit more downtime. So I think I would, I, I would try and cap it at the four as the, as the top end on that. I enjoy it thoroughly. Even when I don't win, I like trying to find what other new overpowered combos I can, I can find. Okay, so Blood Rage is a game where you are a mighty Viking clan. The world is is slowly being destroyed as Ragnarok approaches, but you are going to go out there and earn glory in battle. You are going to invade territories. You are going to try to pillage them. You are going to try to crush your enemies, and you are going to lose the game because that's not how you win this game. <laughs> This game was a flop for me, and a large part of it is because of the losing wins things. It, it's it's one thing to have in a game things that you get a benefit from losing because that's a catch-up mechanic, and that can be important. You just don't want everybody rolling over every... But th- there, are, there are two aspects of this that I, I found particularly frustrating one is the cards the especially some of the loki cards that you don't just get something when you lose the person who wins loses something and so like you mentioned when you lose a battle you get the card back so if you have one of these cards that rewards you for losing and hurts the winner for winning you can play it every single battle that you were involved in unless and until one of the other players happens to catch it with one of the cards that, that negates an effect. There, there are a couple of those. So it's not like there's nothing the other players can do. But it makes it incredibly frustrating to play against because now you you are getting punished every time you win. It is not fun to me to play a game about sending guys of like mighty warriors into battle except not actually wanting to do that, because if you win, you will get punished. And the primary punishment that those do is that they take away your rage points, which are what you do to do actions. It's the main currency of the game, and they take it away, right? Not just currency, it's turns. You are basically losing turns, and I'm also generally of the opinion that anything that effectively makes you lose turns in a game is bad. Like Eldritch Horror is a good game overall. The, the ways that you can sometimes just kind of like lose half your turn. It's better with the expansion once you throw in the focus action, so you've actually got something to do when you're kind of stuck there. But I found that very frustrating. And that's normally like one card or two cards would not be that big a deal. But again, they will come out every single battle, battle after battle after battle. But even beyond that, the dominant strategy of the game is to lose battles is to try to draft card combinations that say things like every time one of your ships dies, get 12 victory points. And then a card that lets you just play your dead ship back out of Valhalla and have it get killed four times in a turn. And it's right, it's it's a multiplayer game. It's not like if you're pursuing this strategy, you're guaranteed to win or 
or anything like that. But the primary way to stop it is to draft it yourself before somebody else does. Or know when, you know, the first time that that's drafted and work around that. And, and, and it's, it, it is harder to work around that, you know, and especially with some of the Loki strategies, it is hard to block out the Loki player so that you can have a battle without them. And I think it gets exacerbated in a five-player game because generally you see one player who grabs the Loki stuff, so you know, hey, i got to not let Matt in my battles. But if the, if there's two or three people with a Loki card, you're like, ah, well, any battle I do is now sunk. Maybe if this game was themed as, like, Lemmings, the board game... <laughs> That would be one thing, but I just, I mean, and, and let's be clear here. This is you, you, Matt, are in by far the majority opinion. This game is in the top 25 on Board Game Geek. It's got That's a geek rating of like 8.3. So lots of people really love this game. Right. But I ain't one of them. Right. I know. I know. <laughs> we have, we, and, and, you know, for for the audience, we've actually had this whole long conversation about this already. You know, it's trying to hit on those high points where, you know, I see where you're coming from, but I, I still think there's a lot of ways to work around it. So at least that's the way I, I you know, I feel about it. it yeah, no, and, and a lot of people do, but that that's Blood Rage by Cool Mini or Not, designed by Eric Lang. So our, our final... <laughs> Viking game of the night. We're going to go on the opposite end of the spectrum from the giant, enormous minis. And they enormous box, gorgeous minis. And the minis in the game are insanely good uh, in Blood Rage. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> so we're, we're going to go from like, the really expensive, super pretty, down to the, the opposite end of the spectrum with Bottle Cap Vikings. Now, Bottle Cap Vikings is a game that I have for one reason. And if you have it, it's almost assuredly for the same reason. Which yeah. is that it was a two dollar add in with Orleone. So which Who wouldn't do was, that for two bucks. A, yeah, which is I'm like, oh, it's this game I've never heard of and know anything about, but I'm already kickstarting this Orleone thing. Sure, why not? I'll pay you two dollars. Empty it out of your warehouse, TMG, I, I I guess. Anyhow. And Bottle Cap Vikings is a like it is a rondelle. That's really the game. You have this little island in the middle. And it's uh, an octagonish, I guess. And you end up with these eight tiles in a circle around the island. And your Viking ship just goes around like a rond- like it's a rondelle. You get to choose. You have a little bit of freedom in how many spaces you move each round. And you're picking up gold and you're picking up wood. And you're leveling up your little town. Each player has an individual board with their town on it. And you can... It's It's got some iconography issues. You put a tile on the spot when you earn it, but it's a permanent effect, so when you cover it up with the tile, then you can't see what the ability is that you just earned. I had to like go and double-check, am I supposed to get this permanently, or is this a one-shot? Because why would you cover it up if it's... But I would say that it's um okay. I mean, I, I okay that I spent $2 buying this game. I wouldn't go out and buy it if someone was charging me fifteen or twenty dollars for it. It's cute. It's light. There's not a lot. I mean, there's not a lot to it in that regard. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think I've actually broken the shrink online yet. So, hooray Vikings! Hooray Vikings! <laughs> hooray but that Vikings. is, yeah, that's from Bottle Vikings is from Tasty Minstrel Games, and the designer is uh, Andy Van Zant. So, so that was our four games for today. Like I said at the top. We are still planning on having uh, Fred Wan on and Brian Reese on to talk about L5R story and, and mechanical sort of retrospectives. Who knows? Maybe maybe we'll let Matt come on to talk about things that are not hairy men with uh, pointy helmets. Well, you know, it's either that or the, the shorter men with hairy feet. So hobbits and Vikings, you know, it happens. I don't think I've played anything in a while that has a Hobbit in it. That's true. They, let's see, what is this year? This year is... Uh, I think it's too early to tell what the theme of the year is this year, so we'll, we'll have to find out. But I, I still can come on and talk about the funness that is Kickstarter and all of the plastic that you can get. <laughs> yes, or other games. <laughs> We have continued to play lots of things. It just hasn't been so much with the, with the recording. So what, like, what's your game? We have played quite a few, uh, excellent titles from what's your game. And we'll, we'll see. And I, I still have not gotten to play the Marcy case. It's <laughs> happened. Oh, yes, we've all played, we, we could have a whole episode about Pandemic Legacy, which is amazing. By the it way. is amazing. Yes. <laughs> And I, you know, we talked earlier about my wife and how she's against all my Kickstarter stuff, but I think I've actually got her, you know, not that Pandemic Legacy was Kickstarted, but I think I've got her convinced to do that with me. Even though I've gone through, I'll let her make all the decisions, but pulling in the non, the, the more casual gamer into it. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah. I actually did back something on Kickstarter recently. It's the first time in a, in a while I've backed something. Let's see how it goes. Fog of Love. Fog of Love. So that, that, was that the sequel to And Then We Held Hands? I don't know if it's a literal sequel, but it's got some thematic similarities. It's, I, it's been suggested it's a romantic comedy as a game. It's a two-player game where each of you is trying to get something out of the relationship. <laughs> what that, yes. <laughs> it can be played fully cooperatively. Get your mind out of the gutter, Sandlin. Hey, I'm just saying, that's almost too much like life. You could play it fully cooperative, in which, way, in which case the only way to win is achieve the happily ever after result. Or you can play it in a semi-cooperative, in which case maybe it works out and maybe it doesn't. Each player has sort of secret goals of what they want in a relationship. So if you're not playing it fully cooperative, then theoretically at some point if you recognize that your character and the other character are not compatible, then you have to start working towards one of the solo victory conditions, you know, an, an honorable breakup or heartbreaker, you know, depending on, on how positive an edge you want to go for. Not that anyone cares, because the uh, Kickstarter's over, so you can't back it, and who know? I don't even remember when it's supposed to come out, so you can't buy it, so, you know, maybe, maybe we should shush until, we, until it's actually available for anyone to buy, ever. <laughs> I, I was thinking that, because I, I got that specifically, because I was I'm like, I hope that my wife will play this with me. I, I have a... Uh, a particular utility for a certain category of two-player games. 
sadly not all of my uh, customizable fight each other, you know, X-Wings, Star Wars, Legend of the Five Rings kind of stuff, but I still have to get the... Uh, I have to try patchwork. You have patchwork, right? No, but we do. It's, we do have it in the group, though. Yes, so. that only helps if I steal it and bring it home. True. I probably shouldn't do that. That w- that would be wrong. That w- that would be wrong. But borrowing. Oh, and bringing it back you the next permission. That's right. That's right. Anyhow, you don't have to be a Viking in real life. <laughs> yes, you've been listening to Strange Assembly, where we totally do not aggravate a Grand Theft board game. <laughs> you can visit us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can download our episodes there or on iTunes. You can also, while you're on our website, check out reviews, previews, and other nonsense. You can send me an email. I'm chris at strangeassembly.com. We're always happy to hear from you guys. But until then, for Matt Sandlin, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.